Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will take a look at Acts chapter 20, verses 18 through 31. In our last teaching, Paul was on his way back to Jerusalem. It was his fervent desire to get back there in time for Pentecost. Because he knew that Jews from all over the region would be coming to Jerusalem to celebrate this memorial festival, he knew that it would be a rich opportunity to also share the gospel message of Jesus Christ to his fellow brethren. Because he was running out of time, he made the choice to not visit the church in Ephesus, even though he had many dear friends there from the three years that he had lived in that city. Instead, he sent a message to the pastors of that church and asked them to meet him in Miletus, which was the port for the city of Ephesus. When the pastors and church leaders arrived, Paul gave the message that we will be looking at today. This sermon is different from the others that are recorded in Scripture because this time he is preaching to a different kind of audience. These men were ones who were believers in Jesus Christ, who knew their scriptures, and had the burden of responsibility of ministering to the church, God's own special people. All other sermons had an evangelistic component because he was basically preaching to an audience who had not heard of Jesus, and for whom most were not familiar with even the Old Testament scriptures as as the target audience was primarily Gentiles, and they had not been exposed to the Word of God. In our last session, I touched on the first part of Paul's message, his introductory comments. But in order to maintain context, I will be reading the entire message. Now, today we're going to turn uh, to uh, Acts, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 20, and I will begin reading verses 18 through 21. The word of God reads this way. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In our last session, we discussed how Paul had reminded these faithful pastors of his own faithfulness in preaching the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles, of the pattern of his life how he had lived among them for three years of a loving ministry. He reminded them about how he had served them in a spirit of humility. He did not boast of his exploits, successes, or popularity. Instead, he was always careful to give the glory to God, who had directed his steps and blessed his efforts. Next, he reminded them of his deep love and compassion for them and for the Church of Jesus Christ. 
This was evidenced by his tears, night and day. As he would also mention on other occasions and in several of his letters to the churches. Paul also mentioned the trials that he had endured from the Jews. So what he's talking about here is the importance of endurance in the ministry. All of this is closely followed by the fact that he had kept nothing back. He told the truth about their lost estate without Christ and what Jesus had done for them by dying on the cross for their sins. He was bold in his testimony, but he always spoke with love, risking everything so that they would know about Jesus and choose to follow him. Paul reminded them that he taught from place to place, from house to house, and also out in the open publicly. He made sure that the entire message was heard by both Jews and Gentiles. And what was that message? In Paul's own words, it was repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. One commentator makes the following observation. The gospel is a blunt package of raw truth about how people are rebellious, lost sinners separated from a holy God, wrapped with exquisite cords of love about how God offers forgiveness, acceptance, and eternal life to those who turn from sin to Christ in simple faith. Paul forcefully and passionately spoke that truth to those with whom he came in contact and essentially said, you have eternal decisions to make. You are responsible for what you do with this information. As you share the faith, don't shade the truth or try to soften the hardness of the gospel. Before people will ever see the goodness of the gospel, they must first realize the awfulness of their lost condition. And that is true. We must first recognize and acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Only then will we cry out for grace and mercy to Jesus, asking that he would be their Savior, that he would forgive their sin. Well, we will continue now into our next session, section of Paul's message. Uh, to these faithful servants of God. So we'll pick it up in verse 22. And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God.
So what Paul is sharing is what God has revealed to him. That from this point forward, he was going to suffer severe persecution. To be clear, he knew that sometime after he arrived in Jerusalem, he would be arrested and put into chains, and that this imprisonment would be accompanied by great suffering. And even though he knew this, there was a drive, a determination within him that kept him moving forward. You will notice that in verse 22, Paul uses the word bound or drawn. This was an irresistible prompting of the Holy Spirit, drawing him to Jerusalem. He must have been aware of this for quite some time as he wrote in his letter to the church in Rome, pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there. But even though he knew that hardship and suffering was waiting for him in Jerusalem, he did not shrink back from fulfilling his calling, his mission. And so his character and integrity became a good example to the Ephesian elders, as well as to all Christians, many of whom would suffer for Christ. Dr. Ironside, in his commentary on the book of Acts, makes the following observation. He writes, Doubtless the Spirit of God spoke through various brethren as he moved on from city to city, who said, Paul, we are afraid you are making a tremendous mistake. Your mission is specially to Gentiles, not to Israel. But somehow he could not recognize it as the voice of the Lord to him, for him to turn aside. He took it rather as the voice of the tempter seeking to dissuade him. But, said he, none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, he is saying, after all, my life is of no account except as it is used for the glory of God, except as I have the privilege of ministering Christ to others. I'm not afraid of bonds and imprisonment, but I am afraid of dishonoring my Lord, and so my great concern is to finish my course with joy. And this he was able to do. In Paul's final epistle, the second book of Timothy, Paul recorded his final words of teaching, counsel, and instruction to his spiritual son, Timothy. As he closed his letter, knowing that soon he would be killed for his faith in Jesus Christ, Paul wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. But until that time, 
He still had a job to do. So he reminded these pastors and church leaders that were standing before him to follow his example and remain faithful to the calling that God had placed upon them. Paul also mentioned that he was innocent of the blood of all men. What did he mean by this? This declaration is directly connected to what is written in the book of Ezekiel when God was calling Ezekiel into his prophetic ministry with certain instructions and warnings. And we can read about this in Ezekiel chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading a specific portion, verses 17 through 21. Son of man, God said, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you ha will have delivered your soul. What a serious calling it was to be a watchman. Today, we call him a pastor. One who watches over the lives, the souls of the people of God to whom God is sent the local church fellowship that the pastor ministers to, and all those he comes into contact with. He was required to speak the message that God gave to him, whether they received it or not, believed it or not. Ezekiel had a message of coming judgment that he was required to speak to the nation. His message was rejected by most, and he suffered greatly. But he was faithful. Why? Because God placed upon him the responsibility for their souls. If he was faithful to share the message in its entirety, what they chose to do with that message was on them. But if he failed to give the message just as God had spoken it, their blood, their soul, would be charged to Ezekiel's account. What Paul is saying here is that when he had his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and received his calling, his marching orders, from that day until the day of his death, he was faithful to share the message that had been given to him and that he was to give it to anyone who would listen, no matter how far he had to travel, no matter how great the opposition. And he never once shrank back from telling the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, this personal testimony. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For if I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, which was Peter, then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God which was it with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. And as Dr. Ironside says so well, notice that the great things he had received of the Lord Jesus was to testify the gospel of the grace of God, and there can be no higher calling than to be a preacher of the gospel. And I can say with full conviction, I agree. For in the gospel is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the promise of forgiveness of sins, and the gift of everlasting life. For as the scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, let us continue with our passage in Acts chapter 20. We will pick up Paul's next comments with verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. These verses are very important because they were true then and they are also true now. 
Satan is always at work trying to destroy the work of God and the people of God. Paul, through personal experience, warns them and us to make sure that they are faithfully walking with the Lord. Take nothing for granted, especially your faith. Because these pastors, they they bore the responsibility not only of their own soul, but also that of the people in their church body. And how they minister and teach and lead them will make a great impact on the people's lives. Therefore, they must, they, the pastors, must be students of the Word of God, faithful in prayer, and diligent in faithful service. We know from other epistles that there were those who had infiltrated the church body to bring errant doctrine in order to deceive the church. For example, we read about Diotrephes in Third John, verses 9 through 11, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren, forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. What what John is saying here is that Diotrephes, he, he wanted all the attention, he wanted all the power, and he wanted all the glory, and he opposed anybody who would not give him those things, and it harmed the church body greatly. In our day, we also have false prophets and teachers who are bringing errant teaching, which which means that they are teaching something that is not in the Bible, or is added to the Bible, or they have taken verses out of context in order to prove their own concepts. Be very careful how you listen. Listen with your Bible open, with prayerful attention. We are given a warning about this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 19, where the Apostle John writes, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Paul himself addressed this danger in the strongest of terms in his letter to the church in Galatia when they had fallen under a wrong teaching that connected works with the doctrine of grace. Listen to what he wrote, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As I've said before, so now I say again, 
If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I have made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, what Paul spoke about to these men on that day was consistent with what he had continually been teaching and warning the churches about for years. In this passage, he gives them three basic charges. First, he tells them to keep watch. They needed to continually be watchful, listening to what is being said and being aware of what things are being done in the church, family, and ministries. But even more, they needed to keep watch over their own spiritual lives. Many pastors have fallen into sin because they become lazy or neglectful in their study of the scriptures and in personal prayer and worship. When they neglect that personal time with their God and Savior, another will step in to deceive them into sin. First, subtle compromises that grow step by step until their testimony and ministries are deeply impacted and the church is wounded by that sin. Paul called them to remember how he had served them for the three years he had spent in Ephesus and to follow his example. Paul never compromised and never stopped laboring for the Lord. His devotion and holiness was evident to all he came into contact with. Next, he reminded them to be shepherds of the Church of God. This means that when the savage wolves come in to attack the flock, the people of God, the shepherd had to do whatever it took to guard, protect, and defend the flock, even at risk of his own life. In this, Jesus has set for us the perfect example because he is our shepherd, the good shepherd and the chief shepherd of his flock. The Apostle Peter agreed with this. He, he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, The elders who are among you I exhort, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Finally, Paul warned pastors to be on their guard. This command was not unique with Paul. Jesus also warned his disciples many times to remain alert, especially as we draw near the days of tribulation. 
In Mark 13, Jesus commands us to take heed that no one deceives you. Watch out for yourselves. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed. See, I've told you all things beforehand. Take heed, watch, and pray. Watch, therefore. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. One commentator writes, Leaders have a holy obligation to keep the sheep from every teaching, attitude, and action that would turn them away from full devotion to Christ. Therefore, let us heed the command of Scripture where it is written in, again, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I, Paul writes, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and, and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Yes, this call and challenge is directed to the pastors, teachers, evangelists, and spiritual leaders within a church body. But I would say to you, my dear friend, that the principles and commands also applies to you and to me. Because we are called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Our lives must be consistent with our message. We are all called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are all called to live holy lives, empowered by the Holy Spirit, being fervent in prayer, rich in the knowledge of Scripture, faithful in word and deed, always proclaiming the glory of God until we draw our last breath. Will you be faithful? Will you be watchful? Will you be willing to do whatever it takes to be God's servant? Heavenly Father, we take these words that the Apostle Paul spoke so long ago, we take them to heart because we know, God, that they were true then and that they are true now. For we live in a day, Lord, when Savage wolves have have come in to the church, just as it was happening then. We know that the enemy of our souls does, does not have any new tricks. He just repeats the same old deceptions over and over again. And you have called us, O God, to be your servants and to be your witnesses, witnesses to truth. And that our witness must be not just in word, but also in deed that our lives must be faithful before you. So I pray, O God, that you would search our hearts, 
and know our thoughts and see if there's any wicked way within us. And I pray, O oh God, that we would confess any sin before you, crying out for your mercy, asking for your forgiveness, knowing that you will hear and answer the prayer of your servant. Strengthen us to be faithful and diligent in our service before you until that day when we draw our last breath. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are finding these messages helpful and encouraging, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, please feel free to email me at BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. That's all, all one word, BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. Well, we will finish up Paul's time with the Ephesian pastors in our next session, but until next time, I encourage you to rejoice in the God of your salvation, be faithful in service to him, and fervent in prayer. Let me conclude with a few verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every evil form of evil. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it.